No, I'm Jeffrey. When I was born, my dad began church shopping. After visiting several Protestant churches in the area, he landed on Valley Prez. He said it felt like home. He convinced my mom to take a shot at it and then never looked back. Since I was two years old, I've been attending Valley Presbyterian Church. I was baptized on Easter Sunday when I was four years old, and I was confirmed into the, into the church when I turned 15. But to be honest with you, religion has never really played a big part in my life. Sure, I'll do the sign of the cross sometimes before a big test or a tennis match, but it's just because I think it looks cool. I could summarize the birth of Jesus for you, but that's about the only story I know I really know in the Bible. I don't know, Sunday school lessons would just go right over my head. I don't know, the principles of Christianity just haven't really stuck with me. So what keeps me coming back to Valley Press? The dictionary defines community as a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. Personally, I feel a profound sense of community when I come to Valley Press. And it's ultimately the reason I love being a part of this church. This church is in the people business, and everyone just cares for each other. Take Ashley, Kathy, and Carol, for example. I've never met three more selfless, heartfelt individuals in my life. You just, you just want to be around people like that. All three of them have been amazing to us kids over these years, and words cannot match their relentless dedication to this church. They have inspired my love to volunteer and work with kids as well, something I hope to continue doing this fall at McAllister College. But it goes beyond that. Every individual here has a general interest in you, whether it's where you are in life, school, or friendships. Valley Prez is a place where I felt I could truly open up. My favorite part of, part of church is the community prayer. It's not the most joyful time of a sermon, but I always get chills whenever people chant out the names of other members of this church, knowing how special our church camaraderie really is. I'd like to think that this place is in the business of, of relationships, where your profits are the bonds you create with others. It's safe to say this place is making decent coin. Thank you. get through this without crying, I swear. That's my goal. <laughs> um, when I was trying to write this speech, I really struggled with how to find the best way to convey what my history at this church consists of. In all honesty, my history with this community began before I was even born. So <laughs> the history is pretty vast. Um, the best place to set the scene and begin explaining of how we came to be here today is to say that on April 18th, 1998, my parents got married right on these steps, and also their 20th anniversary is on Wednesday, so when you see them, say congratulations, because that's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> As this community adopted them into the VPC life, members of this congregation became so close with my parents that the day I was born, many were invited to the hospital to visit. With that action, I was enveloped in not just by this community, but also unknowingly at the time of family. The next few years were a blur for two reasons. One, I was too young to remember any of it. <laughs> two, for some reason it just felt like this is where I was constantly, and I didn't leave this place, ever. <laughs> um, because bell and choir rehearsals tended to be on Thursdays, Alexander and I would be here with Eddie and Nathan, entertained in room three for hours during rehearsal. Um, and then I also began theater classes, which at the time was the most terrifying experience of my life. And <laughs> I'll talk on a little bit more about that later. 
Um, my parents also became a PBTC with nonsense and musicals. And so naturally, um, I soon began to feel like VPC was more my home than my actual house. Um, and of course, if this would now become my home, the congregation would become my family. So the office people became my aunts and uncles, the choir became my rowdy cousins, and every Sunday kind of felt like a crazy family reunion. My time here at VPC, VPC, VPC has been a crazy journey of ups and downs and lessons. This community is also a place for so many firsts in my life. For example, the first time I really learned how to garden was when Jean Lane, when I was four years old, we planted the flowers out in front of the office. This place also gave me the chance to sing in front of people by having amazing people like Barbary and Maggie lead the children's choir. As I mentioned earlier, I have also learned many life-changing lessons here during my time at VPC. First, from Kathy. I now know how effective bribing children with Baskin Robbins to learn the Lord's Prayer is. <laughs> Another valuable lesson I have learned is to not make microwave bacon on a metal grill in the brand new church kitchen the week after it opens. Um, it's completely my fault the microwave is still burned. Um, but this community hasn't just taught me important life skills, it has also given me the chance to grow as an individual into larger roles. Never would I have imagined music directing the Christmas pageant as a junior or being asked to serve as one of your elders. I can't talk about my growth here at this church without mentioning a huge aspect of this community, and that's PBTC. As I mentioned earlier, I was deadly afraid of performing and singing, which surprises a lot of people considering how often I do it now. Um, I completely attribute my outgoing personality, public speaking skills, and so much more to the PBTC curriculum. My growth is best represented in the shows I've done here, beginning as an ensemble member in The Purple Crayon, to an ensemble member in summer camp shows, to eventually the lead in summer camp shows, ensemble in main stages, and finally last year my growth culminated into playing Ariel in The Little Mermaid of the main stage production. As you can probably tell from all these stories, I was not exaggerating when I say I spent more time here than in my actual house. Um, just because I spent all my time at a church doesn't mean that I'm actually that religious. I, quite frankly, have major issues with a lot of aspects of Christianity. These began to develop naturally as I started to watch the news myself, make decisions of, about what I personally believe rather than what other people are thinking. I think, sorry. I think the lessons taught in the Bible are incredibly valuable and life relevant, but on the other hand, do I think science stopped working at random times throughout that period? Probably not. Um, but that does not mean that the lessons do not lose any value. These past two, three years have been especially trying as the media and news stories just seem to be reporting one tragedy after another every day, and every day seems like something new we have to mourn. This has caused me to really struggle with seeing is there God? Is there someone watching over us? Why would this be happening? If, why would this happen to us? Um, in this world where we fight over petty arguments online with sides that refuse to listen to us and we likewise refuse to listen to them, we are more divided and hate-filled than ever. A world where I and three of my friends have to organize a 3,000-person walkout from seven schools to demand tougher gun control laws so that students feel safe in the one place they should always feel safe is terrifying especially because two weeks after the protest, I found myself with those same peers hiding in my classroom for two and a half hours because a former MA student had posted a picture of himself with a firearm in what appeared to be an MA bathroom. 
Now, me telling you this isn't supposed to make you sad at the reality of our surrounding, because for me, it has done quite the opposite. It proved two things to me. In that moment when I was sitting in the classroom, the first thing everyone did, and I'm sure the youth of MA can attest to this, was text, which I know sounds odd, but that was the first thing. And it showed to us who the most important people in our lives were, who we wanted to hear from us one more time if this was the last time we would talk to them. And I found myself texting people this congregation. Sorry. Another great aspect that came out of all this turmoil and uncertainty is revealed to me exactly what I want to do with my life. This upcoming fall, I will be studying modern history, management, and international relations at the University of St. Andrews. Yes, it is the one in Scotland. And yes, I know it is far away. And yes, my parents are terrified. <laughs> Ultimately, <laughs> I am unsure of what I want to do in my life, but I definitely know that I want to work in an NGO, international politics, or maybe even some nonprofit. But what's clear is I want to be involved in creating a world free of these uncertainties that I have. I hope that with my double major in international relations and management, as well as my language classes in French and Korean, I'm able to help create a world we want to live in and not a world that we settle for living in. The amount of gratitude and love I have for this community cannot be expressed in one speech. But the last thing I want to say are just some thank yous to this entire community. Thank you, Cheryl, for pushing me into theater classes when I was too afraid to step on stage without my little sister. Thank you, Mark, for playing our silly game of tag continuously for the last 13 years. Thank you to all the past directors of the Christmas pageant for firstly casting me as just sheep, then seeing me <laughs> have the chance to branch out, and I believe I've now played every single character in the Christmas pageant, including Joseph. <laughs> Thank you, Barbary, for teaching me my first vocal lessons and kickstarting my love for singing. Thank you, Noelle, for being an older sister and role model to me. And also thank you, Noel and Kevin, for trusting me with the chance to be the same for Athena as you were for me. Thank you, Alexandra, for not killing me yet. I really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, thank you, Mom and Dad, for your never-ending love and support and for introducing me and raising me within such a loving community. <laughs> <laughs> I could go through dozens of more thank yous, but I think Ashley might get mad at me because of our two to four minute speech rule. <laughs> I know that St. Andrews is far away, and that will be a huge change for me to go from seeing you all multiple times a week to a few times a year. But I also want us all to remember that it's good I'm leaving because that means this community has held its promise from when I was baptized in my red sneakers 17 years ago, and that was to love me and care for me and to protect and watch over me as if I were your own. My upbringing and the way you all have raised me has taught and shown me that I will be able to find an amazing community wherever I end up. I'm also incredibly reassured knowing that I am, if I'm ever having a bad day or need help, I have my giant family there to guide me. My love for this place is never ending and I will carry this community with me for the rest of my life. So I guess the only thing I can say is thank you. Thank you for raising me, supporting, and unconditionally loving me. And I hope that I can take everything you have given me and make you proud in whatever I end up doing in the future. Thank you.
giving counsel, teaching, and that special gift of ministries were given when the leaders of the church laid hands on me and prayed, keep that blessed all in the news. Hello. My name is Sean Burdick. I'm a senior at Sacred Heart Preparatory in Atherton, and I will be attending Lewis and Clark College this following, this coming fall. Um, I'm going to be talking to you today about my spirituality and my journey through it. I was given the opportunity to lead this uh, retreat for seniors at my school called Kairos, which is Greek for God's time. Sadly, I'm not able to go into the specifics of the trip as it is supposed to be kept a secret. However, I will speak on something that this trip has taught me, healing glances. So, what is a healing glance? A healing glance can take many forms. It can be a gesture of kindness. It can be a moment of empathy and compassion. It can be a moment of forgiveness. It can be a sudden realization. The obvious healing glances come from our family and our friends, such as you for me. They are some of our obvious sources of healing in our lives. They provide us love, support, and compassion. But sometimes, healing glances are unexpected, and we might have not realized we've experienced one until that moment has passed. I live my life by three truths, gratitude, self-love, and inherent divinity. I live my life with gratitude because I have been ungrateful. I love myself because I have hated myself. And I validate myself because I have loathed myself. This I now know, but didn't used to. There was a time in my life when I hated myself. Around the time I entered middle school, I was quiet, chubby, and scared. My sexuality terrified me. It felt like a never-ending burden. I felt like every day I was reminded I was different. Every day I, reminded, I was reminded I was fat, and every day I hated myself more and more. I allowed myself to absorb words spoken against me and allowed them to shape my reality twisting how others viewed me into how I viewed myself. My self-hatred grew to the point where I was diagnosed with Generalized Anxiety Disorder, or GAD. I was ungrateful, and I hated my life. During this time, every day after middle school, my father would pick me up. He would ask me, how was your day? Regardless of the events that might have transpired the hours before, I would always answer, I'm fine, with a smile to my face, as to not make, as to not make my father worry about me. I didn't really want him to leave me alone, but rather, I wanted him not to have to worry about my emotional state. I thought it would burden him. But years later, I asked my dad why he always asked me that question. He said that for most families, it was a daily question that could be answered with one word, but not for him. He, he asked me that question every day to see if my answer would change. He said he was able to see underneath the mask I had put on. I always said the same thing 
but he could tell by how I said that one word how my day had gone. One day, that had been one of my low points, he decided to take me to the city and surprise me with a trip to the California Academy of Sciences. He used all of his love on me. He made me his priority. Even if I didn't know it at the time, that simple daily question he asked me was a healing glance. It was proof of his love. That glance of love transcended any pain I felt, and it continues to do so. But things were still hard. By the time I was 13, my self-hatred grew, led me to a point where I had thoughts of suicide. I thought that would solve my issues, that death would be better than life. I will never forget the moments of staring myself in the mirror and realizing the futures that were presented to me. The first option felt like an ultimatum. This moment could be the end. That was the easier option. The second option was to persevere, continue on, fight through it. I realized that happiness could be an achievable goal. Other members of my family had had similar, similar struggles and they achieved happiness. I knew I could do it too. It just felt like a harder path. Although, again, I didn't realize it at the time, but in that moment, I was a healing glance for myself. I stared at myself in that mirror and I evaluated my options, evaluated my options, and I chose not to give up. Our lives are sacred and we must treat them as such. I was grateful and still am that I did not give up, but rather persevered. Every day I wake up and I am thankful for the life that I have. I am thankful for the family I have and that the love that they give me. They are my constant healers. My parents work tirelessly to love and care for me, build me up when I have fallen, and piece me back together when I have broken. Most importantly, they have shown me compassion in my darkest hours, and I am beyond grateful for them. Yet, even with my gratitude for my family and my life, I found it hard to give myself love, to take time for myself, to take care of myself. There was a war waging inside of me, an inner dichotomy, I felt myself being pulled apart by what I wanted and by what I thought others wanted of me. And I still felt alone because that's what anxiety does to you. It isolates you. The thoughts circulated in my head, what if I'm not good enough? What if they don't love me? My therapist calls them the what ifs. The thoughts that are out of your control, that beat you down, that hurt you. As I progressed into high school, as I progressed into high school, sorry, I lost my place. Um, As I progressed into high school, I felt happier and accepted. Yet my anxiety did not vanish as I hoped it would have. In fact, the what-ifs were pushing back against me. Even though I was so much more happy, I was still in so much pain. I still did not love myself. They told me I could not love myself. I worked tirelessly to put others before me to make sure others were happy, even if I wasn't. I felt like I was growing crazy. The life that I had been living, the one I thought was normal, wasn't. I finally realized this when I was re-diagnosed with generalized anxiety, dis anxiety disorder and immediately put on medication. And as time progressed, the haze of my anxiety lifted away. My family fed me support and love throughout my journey. Medication, as scary as it can seem at first, helped me stay in control. It helped me keep self-hatred away and has allowed for my self-love to re-enter. After being on medication for almost a year, I can now say that I am the happiest I have ever been. My doctor's support of my mental health 
by offering, by offering me medication and support, both helped, both helped me and heal me and continue to do so. They, along with self-love and gratitude, have helped heal me, have helped me heal scars and wounds after years of neglect. Yet, there was still something missing. Last summer, I was sitting on my porch in Mendocino overlooking the ocean. I noticed the wind subtly picking up speed and the sky slowly fading to grade. It was obvious a thunderstorm was on the rise. It came in swells, bathing the sky in an ocean of gray as if the sky and the sea were one. I still felt lost, but a feeling of comfort washed over me. Suddenly, my lost nature found a brief path in the forms of questions. Under my breath, I whispered, am I loved? Boom, the sky ignited. I sat in silence, saying to myself, what if? Am I loved? I asked again, but this time louder. Like clockwork, the sky exploded ferociously. Am I meant to be here? The universe answered yes. Suddenly, I was overcome with feelings of love, acceptance, and peace. I understood we are all meant to be here, to add something to this universe. The universe spoke to me in a way I would have never imagined. The divine validated my existence and finally brought peace to my inner war. In that moment, I understood the divine spark that is in each of us. Healing glances are constant parts of our lives. They can take forms in the obvious and the unknown, the tangible and the intangible. The art of healing constantly surrounds us and is always available to us but it is our responsibility to accept it and to apply it. I encourage you to recognize your own healing glances in life and be thankful for them. I encourage you to be that healing glance for others. When we see someone in pain or in confusion, we're able to reach out to them. We're able to help them. A healing glance does not have to be a grand gesture. You don't necessarily have to rearrange your life for someone else. It can be as simple as offering a supportive word or listening to someone. For me, the recognition of my own divinity was one of the most profound realizations and healing moments I have ever experienced. Even if it took me years to discover, I understand that we are all part of something bigger. That I know is true. Thank you. I have to follow that up. Um, unlike Maria, I'm not even going to try not to cry. I just, like, tried to keep this short, um, because I know I will. <laughs> um, wow. My name is Jay Bradley Kissel. 18 years ago, my parents, Lizzie Bradley and Brian Kissel, flew all the way to Wisconsin to meet someone very important who would end up shaping their lives in ways I'm sure they could never imagine. That person was me. Oh my god, it's the first paragraph. <laughs> now I'm sure some of you are confused. Uh, I was adopted at birth. My parents adopted me from a 16-year-old girl in suburban Wisconsin. Once the adoption process was done, they flew me back to where they lived, in Redwood City. As soon as we got to California, I was baptized alongside my mom by the people that married my parents, Mark and Cheryl Goodman Morris. I've heard stories my whole life about how my parents used to sit up here uh, in like a circle of chairs and they would pass me around to all of the other people in the circle. Um, 
and I was the only one being passed around for a while until Maria joined me. I'm older than Maria. Um, <laughs> um, uh, when I was almost three, my dad got a job in Cincinnati. So we packed our bags and moved across the country to Ohio, of all places. For two years, uh, I lived and grew in Cincinnati, yearning to go back to California. I would frequently ask my parents if we could move back so I could be with my then best friend, Dylan. Even at this young age, I knew that my home was here in California. I wanted to move back to be with all of the amazing people who had made my first two years of life so special. We soon left Cincinnati for another great city, Portland. Fast forward to fifth grade when I was 11, after remodeling our beautiful home for almost a year, my parents informed me that we were moving, again. <laughs> this time, back to California. At this point in my life, I was solidly settled in Portland. I had lived there for the majority of my life and had no interest in leaving all of my friends behind. I was understandably upset, hurt, and heartbroken. But soon after moving back here, we went to church here at VPC. I was finally back in the community that had made my early childhood. I was finally home. Valley Prez and PVTC became my life. I was constantly involved in theater and church as often as possible. I think my parents got really, really tired of driving me up here. <laughs> this morning, my mom remembered a story from, she says sixth grade, I say seventh, when a year after our big move, a few months after Oklahoma, I walked into Lane Hall and I said, this is my home. This moment best represents my relationship with this community. This is my home. And just like a home, I've always come back. I first came back here after I was adopted, and then again after moving away for nine years. I've always come back home. <laughs> but now it's time for me and my fellow seniors to begin our own journeys. We're going to go out into the world, and most of us are far away from home, and we're going to have to craft our own new homes. Adulthood is all about creating one's own home, without the support of the friends and family and loved ones that we've had as children. So we're going to leave. Our schools, our friends, our families, even this community. But I know in the deepest parts of my heart that I can and that I will always come back. This open, accepting community is one that I will always be able to call home. No matter how far away I go, I counted it's 2,466 miles to be exact. I will always be able to come back here. And that's what's so beautiful about this community. That it's home. For so many people, it's a place where we can all come together, no matter our exact religious beliefs and be ourselves. Just so that I don't get any questions about this, next year I'll be going back to Ohio. God knows why. <laughs> To, to attend the Oberlin College of Arts and Sciences to study something. 
<laughs> and um, I promise, mom and dad, hold me to this, uh, that every time I'm in town, I will come back. Thank you so much for being my home. I love you all more than you'll ever know. <laughs>